Welcome to A Champion's Mind with your host, Mario Aroyave. Some say the sky's the limit. It isn't. The limit is in your mind. You believe that or else you would not be listening to this podcast. You believe that you could do more. You believe that you can perform at a higher level than you currently are. You are absolutely right. Thanks for being open-minded and allowing this podcast to help you develop a champion's mind. In this podcast, we'll discuss and hear about some mental strategies we can implement to help you achieve your utmost performance. If you feel like you're not performing at your true potential, this podcast will look to give you the keys that can open that lock. Welcome to part number two of the interview with Lauren Stevens, who rides for Team Tibco, presented by Silicon Valley Bank. She's a professional bike rider. In part number one, we went along Lauren's journey from her early career, starting getting on the bike, realizing she had some potential, and then ultimately leaving her job in teaching to jump on the bike full time and chase after being a professional bike rider, which she currently is now. Part number one, we left off with a neat little story where Lauren, for the first time, kind of raised her hand and let the other teammates know that she wanted to be the rider who they were riding for that she felt had the best results as a team. And Lauren went from professional rider, continued to get better, and to where she currently is now, where she's one of the riders on the team on any given competition that the other teammates would be working for for her to be able to achieve a result. Part number two, we unpack that and talk about that a little bit more and what all that entails, and we continue to follow Lauren all the way through her journey to where she currently is now. So without further ado, part two of this interview, I hope you enjoy. Y'all are professionals and, and y'all are looking to be the best that you can be. Every once in a while, you, you've got to hear a harsh word. I mean, you may have shed some tears, but obviously you learn some stuff, right? Which brings me to the next thing I want to talk about. So they all leave and, you know, you're sitting in a chair under a tent getting ready for Redlands. What was going through your mind when it's, okay, Lauren, you know, what do you want? And you just come out and say, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready to be GC here. I want to be on the. I want to be on the podium. I mean, what was going through your mind then, or maybe even before then, to get you to be confident and feel okay with the fact that you were gonna that you were gonna say this and that that this was gonna be something you wanted? Yeah, I mean, I was I was terrified to say it. I knew there were riders on the team that um, had been racing longer than I had that also wanted to be GC riders, but nobody was speaking up. Nobody was saying it. I mean, my heart was in my stomach when I said it because I didn't know how everybody would take it. I didn't know if I was going to be seen. I think as a female, I, I thought that I was going to be seen as cocky and, and big-headed, and that wasn't for me to decide. But, you know, I think about half the team took it well, and then the other half the other half of the team probably wished they had been the one to say it. Looking back on that, let, let's just go hypothetical here. Let's say – you, you know, you keep riding for, I, I don't know, I mean, whatever, I'm just going to put a number on it, not that you're, not that you're going to go less than this, but let's just say you ride in a professional peloton for 10 more years, and you become this, uh, you become the, the veteran on the team, right, that, that has the Palmaris, you know, the results and stuff, and, and you've got a little, a little Lauren, right, you know, <laughs> that you're just kind of pulling, pulling aside after races, and, you know, you're telling them, you know, here's how you need to, you know, improve this and that other thing, and y'all are sitting in a chair before a big stage race, it's little Lauren's turn to say something, and, and little Lauren goes, I, I want to be the one that I, I want to be on the podium. I want you guys to ride for me. I mean, how do you see that now? Like, how would you see that 10 years from now versus how you saw it and how you looked at it when you actually did it yourself? I think it depends on the person, but I mean, you know, if it's someone that I knew well and that I've been training with, 
I would hope I'm seeing it is that this person has gotten the confidence to be the person raced for. I mean, that's half of it is you have to be confident. You have to be able to handle the pressure. You've got teammates sacrificing for you, and you need to be aware of that. Um, it's not necessarily you might not even be the strongest rider on the team, but it, but you might be the the most savvy and the most confident and the one that can handle the pressure. Um, and that's what it takes to be a GC rider. Um, so I think that's the questions that I would have for that person. I would ask them if they're ready to handle the pressure. I love it because it, just this just this little story that we're camping out on because you know when we talk about goal setting principles. One of the principles is, you know, you write your goals down, and that's great, but I mean, you know, okay, you, you write them down, and you got them in your room, or you put them under your pillow, or you put them in your journal, right? But another part of setting goals is actually letting other people know what your goals are so they can hold you accountable to them, and that's the part that I think a lot of athletes don't necessarily resonate with, right? Because it's like, like you said, I mean, I think you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, I think there were other ladies sitting in the chairs around you that probably were like, man, I should have said that, you know, like I, I should, you know, I should have raised my hand. That should have been my answer because they've got it in their journal or they put it underneath their pillow or they, they, they had that as a goal. Right. But when push came to shove, they didn't do it and they didn't say it and they were lacking the confidence to do that. And those kinds of people that are, that are willing to go out there and take a chance and risk, I mean, risk the fact that you were scared. I mean, risk the fact that you don't land on the podium and you didn't, and you almost did, you know, but, but you didn't ultimately, but it's like you were willing to speak up and put yourself out there in order to see whether this thing was a possibility or not. Obviously you saw that it was very much so a possibility. And then from there, you know, I mean, you, you gain confidence and you just really got going. You had a great year that year, mm -hmm. but it's like, it's that concept of, you know, you've got to be willing to put yourself out there. You've got to be willing to fail. And in, and to, in order to do that, you have to have a certain level of confidence about yourself in order to make a statement like that. And not everybody has it. That's why not everybody can be a GC. Uh, Lauren said GC a lot. That's a general classification leader. So like at the end of a, like a, a week long race, that's the rider that was like the most consistent over like seven days or four days or, you know, whatever. I mean, that's, that's what the general classification is. And it really does take a really strong mentality to be a rider like that, which you've become. Give me a good race for you. Like, like a day where, you just were like, man, not, I mean, nothing can go wrong. I mean, you put your shoes on the right way. I mean, everything just boom, boom, boom. And it was like you got to the race and everything was clicking. Give me give me one of those days. Uh, two years ago with Joe Martin. I mean, it was every race. Like, I was unbeatable. I mean, I could just – it was just this feeling of it was amazing that every stage I just, I just kept winning. And I just kept winning. And I would try to help <laughs> other people win, but then somehow I would win. <laughs> That that's gotta that's gotta feel good, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I won I think I won three out of the four stages at Joe Martin that year. Cascades also that year the same thing happened. Cascades was amazing because it was a little bit tougher of a of a field and my team just rode amazing for me. I, I finished the week and I felt like I'd had a rest week. And to win the G C and and to finish feeling like you'd had a rest week, I mean either you're super fit or your team just did an amazing job. <laughs> right, right, right. Absolutely. Give me an example of a bad race. So, you know, just one of those we kind of want to forget, but, you know, was just kind of so bad that sometimes we can't forget. So what, what was what was one of those? Oh, I mean, I guess you try to forget them. Gosh, it's a hard one to... No, if you don't have a specific one, that's cool. So just, yeah. you're yeah, so you don't want to... 
Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing is I try to put the you know you try to learn from what you did wrong at those races, right? Um, and why it went so poorly, but then then honestly I try to forget about those races because I don't want those races bringing me down, and I don't want that gotcha. to be part of you know letting that thought creep into my head that I shouldn't be being a that I shouldn't be a pro cyclist. The reason why that question is in there is to get to the next one, and the next one is so we you know you gave me an example of of, of some awesome days, right? And then we know we've had bad days. We don't need to go into details about them, but we know we've had them. What I want to ask you is this. Do you feel that most days competitively, so like in your competitions, do you feel like most days you're kind of somewhere in the middle where it's not like you're on fire and you you just can do no wrong, but then at the same time you're not on the worst day of your life? You're just kind of somewhere in that gray area there where it's like, this is this is what I've got today, so let's just roll with it. For sure. More days you're I mean, like I said, I can only name those two races where I just felt unbeatable and I've been racing bikes for seven years. So <laughs> to have yeah. two races in the last seven years that I can pull out and just be like, Oh, nobody can beat me. Yeah, most days it's you're somewhere in between. When you're in the middle there, what's the key to performing well? What's the key to, to making something of it? I mean, how do you do that? It becomes even more tactical. Like, you don't have room to make mistakes tactically because you don't have that energy to waste. You know, and, and one reason that you feel that way all the time or most of the time is you can't be ready for every race. But we are professional cyclists, so we race. I mean, I've had, I think someone told me I've had 37 race days already this year. Wow. And you know, so you are racing all the time, so you have to be able to race, but you may not be ready to be on fire every race. Um, yeah. So I think it's being aware of that, being aware of your abilities, being aware that just because you don't feel like it's your best day, it doesn't mean you can't win a race. Would you say that because the majority of the days are somewhere in the middle, would you say that that would probably kind of tip the hat a little bit more towards making sure that you're mentally ready for kind of whatever the day might bring you? Yes, definitely. I mean, that falls, I think, under the tactics side of it that, I mean, it's a mind game. And, you know, you've got to tell yourself that you do have the ability and that you can do these things and can't listen to your legs that much. (laughs) Have there been days where you've just, you've thought the legs were maybe like a, like a three out of 10 and that's on the low end. So they're not very good. And just because mentally you just stayed in the fight and you were just really sharp mentally that day, you just kind of, you just kind of pulled something out that you maybe weren't necessarily like thinking the legs were going to be able to do that day. Have you ever had a day like that? For sure. And I think what you have to remind yourself is that others are feeling how you are feeling. You know, they always talk about the game face also. You don't want to let others know that you that you feel bad so you can get into their head to make them think that you're fine. Um, I mean, most of the field is probably feeling the same way that you are. Yeah, absolutely. I think – Man, that's I think that's awesome. I think that's a good tip there for anybody that's listening is uh doesn't really matter what sport you're in, but I know in cycling because we generally tend to have bigger fields, a lot of times when things get hard like in a race, uh and when we get we begin to get more tired, and this happens anywhere, this is just a physiological principle, we begin to narrow our focus down and we begin to kind of go inward with our focus. And what I mean by that is, you know, legs are hurting, arms are tired, whatever. 
uh, in whatever sport you're thinking about. And then you begin to think about yourself and you begin to think about yourself and how much you are hurting, how much physical pain you are in, uh, how much you want to stop or you can't take anymore or whatever. And you alluded to this in those moments. If you can just slow yourself down a little bit. And what I mean by that is mentally, you don't want to slow down on the bike because then, you know, people, you know, they're gone. But if you can slow yourself down mentally and you can bring yourself back and like you said, you can realize, hey, there's a lot of people around me and I'd be willing to wager that they feel just as bad as I do because there's no way that this is only hard for me. And if you can do that, then it really changes things quite a bit. You know, it's very similar to the principle when somebody is grieving a loss or they've had some kind of tragic event happen in their life. That's why you want to get people around them that have been in that same situation because it really helps that person really get over that hurt that they're feeling because all of a sudden they realize that it's not just them that has been dealt this particular tragedy or circumstance. Like there's actually other people that have gone through that as well. Talking specifically about sport, if when we're getting tired, we can go, oh man, I mean, this is what everybody's feeling like right now. Uh, so let's just keep rolling. It's amazing how sometimes you just kind of run into results that way, you know, like everybody's running on fumes and you just kind of threw in the towel later than everybody else. And all of a sudden, you know, you're sitting, you're standing on the podium and you were like, I didn't even know I was going to be able to do this. Definitely. Um, I think those days happen more often than uh, the days where you feel amazing. <laughs> you you right, end up on right. the podium and you're like, whoa, how did this happen? What's the hardest thing about being a pro cyclist? Um, I think it's, you know, managing the time being away from home. It's definitely mentally draining living on the road. I'm here at home now for about seven days because my team realized that I needed that mental reset. So I think the most difficult thing about being a pro cyclist is is keeping that mental focus and keeping that mental focus fresh. I've heard some cyclists say that sometimes it's not necessarily the legs that need a break but it's the mind that needs the break before the legs actually need it. I mean, have you ever had that occur or is that? Yeah, I feel like that's where I'm at right now. I mean, you know, you're, you're living day in and day out with your teammates and you're racing with your teammates and, you know, they, they do become like family, but sometimes you need you need that mental break to get home to, you know, your, your other family. <laughs> yeah, and I think this speaks to balance. Because you are a professional and in your sport and because you're talking about this, I think it's important for those folks listening to the podcast to understand, hey, listen, even if you're a professional, it's not all glit and glamour. You've got to live out of a suitcase. You guys have long transfers in your races where you guys are in a van for hours at a time. You're bumping around airports, and we all know how fun it is when flights get canceled and weather gets bad, and you're at an airport for hours on end on layovers and such. And so that has that to the outsider has nothing to do with being able to pedal a bike quickly, but it has a lot to do with it when you actually ask the people that are doing it, right? Like being away from your family is going to impact you on the bike to the point where we've got to bring you home for a week because we need you to be able to hang out with your husband for a little while. You know, people don't understand there has to be a balance there with the entirety of your life and really keeping all of that together. And sometimes it gets messy and hard to do. It's tough. Let's go to your Instagram, your tag, oh. your 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 unique tag that you use where you put hashtag, I love my job. Do you really mean that and why? Um, I, I do really mean that, but I do have a very good friend of mine, Casey Sharp, that does my social media for me. I'm not a very uh, social person, um, yeah. so the social media is not my, my thing. 
but I do like for people to be able to keep up with me. So it's, it's very nice that I have a friend that helps me out with that. I send her photos and tell her what was going on and um, she creates a, a wonderful Instagram post for me. But yeah, I mean, I do love my job. I mean, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't love my job. I mean, being a professional cyclist is definitely an option. I mean, some jobs, you know, people have and they need the job and they have to do that job in order to pay the bills and feed the family. But I, I, mean, I was a full-time high school teacher and I had my career was all set and good to go and nothing wrong there. And I got this opportunity. So I do love it. The reason why I throw that question in there was because I, I really want to hammer home and I, and I just did a couple minutes ago as well, but I really want to hammer home the fact that you, you don't need to like everything about what you're doing but you need to you need to like the majority of it and you need to be able to uh deal with the part that you don't like and that's and that's okay um and so you know you've talked about some of the things that are tough and yeah they're tough but at the end of the day hey there's a lot more pluses that you're seeing with this particular occupation than not you know i think i think that's important i think that people think that it's just fun and games all the time and it is for a lot of it but it's not always that way. Um, there's going to be some stuff that you've got to do that, that, you know, quite frankly is really hard to do and not the funnest stuff in the world. But let's jump to, I love this. I've seen this with my own eyes. You are awesome. You're an ambassador for just the Texas cycling community, but more specifically for young women that are, that are getting started in the sport and our, and our junior cyclists out here in Texas. And you do a lot of work with them. Um, you're awesome. They're, I mean, they light up when they see you. They love seeing Lauren, you know, when you're not in Europe because you're not around much. Why do you feel that that is, you know, important to do? Yeah, I mean, I don't do it in any um, official capacity. Um, I'd actually like to start doing more mentoring in um, a more official capacity. But when I am at the local races, I try to reach out to the girls and um, – you know, I think it's important to let them know what opportunities are out there. Um, they're here racing at a young age already. And, you know, just to explain to them what the next level is and give them encouragement, give them advice where I see fit and just kind of give them someone that they, they know they can come to with questions or whatever's going on. You know, I know that they and their parents, I know they really appreciate the fact that you're doing that because it's like, We've got a world-class, you know, cyclist that is willing to, you know, take a ride around the park with, with the girls, you know, when y'all are done racing. And, man, that, you know, that, that's the kind of stuff that uh, – that's the kind of stuff that, that when they – if and when they make it, they, they remember that. And they'll be talking about that as a memory that helped kind of keep them going and get them going. So, you know, th thanks for doing that. That's really awesome that uh, that you take your time out to do that. And again, you're not doing it in official capacity, so it's not like somebody's asking you to do it. Are there any words of advice that you'd like to give that you haven't already given? You've given us a ton of good stuff uh, to anybody listening to the podcast. I think for a cyclist getting into racing, the biggest piece of piece of advice I can give is train harder than you race. The race shouldn't be the hardest day of your year. You, you spend all year preparing for that race, so train harder than you race. That's a good one. And I know because Matt coaches you, I know that some of the stuff you do when he's training you is it, it is some intense stuff. And, uh, and I know that he gets you ready for racing really, really well. Lauren, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's really been a pleasure just listening to your story and just giving us some stuff that we can look at and kind of help us to, you know, achieve our goals. 
We really appreciate it, and we are looking forward to seeing what this next block of racing brings for you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed that interview just as much as I did. It was a ton of fun to make, and I really enjoyed just getting to visit with Lauren. If you're liking the content and you're really resonating with what it is that I'm trying to get out as a message to athletes to help you guys be able to perform at your true potential, I would really appreciate it if you would jump over to iTunes and leave me a positive review there. If you would also like to subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss any interviews and subsequent episodes that would be coming out, And lastly, if you guys can just think of a friend, a teammate, a coach, just anybody that would benefit from this material, if you would personally pass this over to them, or if you would share this on your social media, then I would really appreciate that. I'm trying to expand my audience, and obviously I cannot do it alone. I really need you guys' help and partnership in that. If you would help me on that end, I would really appreciate it. I hope this stuff is helping you guys to shift your mindset and to get you to see things differently so that you can perform at that level that we all know, myself included, that you are capable of performing at. Thank you guys so much for listening, and until the next time. Thanks for listening to A Champion's Mind. As you continue to implement the content discussed here, you'll move closer and closer to performing at your utmost potential. Keep challenging yourself and don't settle until you achieve your goals. If you can't wait until the next episode to do some more work on your mental game, head over to utmostperformance.org where you can find some more content to consume. You can also like our Facebook page, Utmost Performance. We sincerely value your support as we continue to partner together to help you perform at your utmost.